Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast of the Association of Compliance Officers in Ireland. I'm Cathy Jacobs, President of the SCOI, and it's a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. Under new regulations commenced on the 19th of April 2021, insurers and reinsurers authorised by the Central Bank of Ireland are now required to prepare preemptive recovery plans by 31st of March next year with newly authorised insurers and reinsurers authorised on or after the 19th of April 2021 required to prepare a recovery plan within 12 months of authorisation. These regulations were introduced following a consultation process which began in June of 2020 and the feedback to CP131 regulations for preemptive recovery plans for reinsurers and insurers was published in April of this year. Recovery plans, of course, are not new in financial services in Ireland and the EU, with the Bank Recovery and Resolution Directive, which set a common framework across all 28, as it was then, countries of the European Union on how to deal with troubled banks. Donald Cullinan, Director of Insurance Supervision at the Central Bank of Ireland, in a speech on 23rd of June recently, quoted some statistics which give some interesting context for the need for recovery planning in the sector. The Central Bank of Ireland supervises 197 insurance firms that write approximately 80 billion of gross premiums. Of this, more than two thirds is written cross-border. Irish insurers provide insurance capacity in more than 70 countries across Europe and the world. So I'm delighted to welcome today as a guest, John McCarthy, Director in the Regulatory Risk Practice of Deloitte. And John has been in Deloitte for six years. He was previously a prudential supervisor in the banking supervision division of the central bank and is here with me today for a cross-sector reflection on recovery planning following the finalization and publication of the central bank of ireland's regulation and guidelines at the end of april so welcome to the compliance files podcast john i'm delighted to have you contribute to our series and thanks for talking to us today thank you kathy and great to be here John, we'll we'll start with the basics. Could you explain for our listeners what a recovery plan is and why would a firm effectively plan for its own demise? Sounds a bit counterintuitive. And what the macro benefits would be and the reasons why central banks and the EU would want recovery plans. Yeah, absolutely, Cathy. And yeah, planning for a firm's own demise is a a great way of putting it, kind of a a morbid way of putting it, I guess, to some extent. But yeah, no, it's an interesting take on it. Look, I, I think for a recovery plan, really, the clue is probably in the cycle. So it is about recovering from a period of financial deterioration and I guess kind of planning forwards to uh, kind of identify vulnerabilities at an early stage. So from a kind of documentation perspective, uh, you know, the, the recovery plan is owned and developed by the firm. So in this case, the insurance firm. And it really does, as I say, just aim to support the recovery of the firm back to business as usual conditions following a period of financial deterioration. So for example, some sort of scenario which places a severe strain on capital resources 
resources. There can be many, many triggers for that. And hopefully the recovery plan helps you recover, essentially. I suppose it also just, as I said, it supports the identification of vulnerabilities and stress scenarios, which have the, the potential to threaten the viability of the firm. It also supports the firm in identifying potential management actions, which can help bring the firm back from the brink, essentially. So that's another key element to discuss. Other than that, probably very important to note that the recovery plan isn't just a document. You know, it is wider than that. It's, it's a framework and it's a process, and it's something that really needs to be integrated into your overall risk management framework. And then lastly, just in terms of what a recovery plan is, like it is meant to be kind of a practical playbook, I guess, to prepare for and mitigate against financial deterioration. And that is something we've seen cross sector. I think that the regulators are really looking at the, the practical elements of recovery plans. And that is something that will uh, grow over time because I think, you know, insurers are starting from scratch in some cases. So it's just also important to note that the, the, the regulators view is that this should be a practical document and process, which is suitable for the firm. Okay, so possibly not so much planning for its own demise, but preparing to, to recover, really, and um, to emerge from, from a crisis. So yeah. that, that makes sense. Probably just at the, at the outset, probably looking at the banking side of things in particular, you know, the recovery planning is part of a, a wider recovery and resolution planning framework. And resolution planning really is about kind of planning for your demise or the regulators planning for your demise a little bit. So the recovery plan is the stage before that. So probably just important to note that as well. John, for those who are new, perhaps, to this whole field of, of, of regulation and activity, could you explain for our listeners what is the difference between recovery and resolution? Yeah, no, excellent question. And uh, I guess you have to look at it as a kind of spectrum, Cathy. So um, you've got your kind of business as usual and kind of capital and liquidity management. You then move into kind of stress scenarios, which may result in a recovery scenario, for example. And then you've got resolution, which as, a, as the name suggests, is probably the, the is the more serious end of the spectrum. So a recovery plan basically is, you know, something that which is developed and drafted, owned and approved by the insurance firm. And that's subject to ongoing scrutiny by the regulator. And as we touched on earlier, you know, I think it's something which is intended to support the firm, mitigate, you know, capital and liquidity stresses in particular, and try and rebound back to that business as usual space. A resolution plan, Cathy, then is something which is developed and drafted by the regulator or the resolution authority, whoever that may be. But the firm is very heavily involved in that process as well. So it will contribute inputs to the resolution plan. But as I said, the, the resolution authority really takes the lead on that. It's really the more severe end of the spectrum. So it's a, it's a plan which is intended to ensure an orderly workout where the recovery plan and, and other processes fail. And I guess the, the key focus for the central bank and, and other regulators is to kind of ensure that critical economic activities, which the firm provides or the sector provides, continue following the failure of a firm or firm. So it's very serious, as you, as you can tell, but it does go hand in hand with that recovery plan as well. So it is part of a, an overall spectrum from a, from a risk perspective. Thanks, John, for that really important context. And what about those macro benefits, John, and the reasons central banks and the EU would want them yeah, so Kathy, good question. So I think there's probably a few, like first and foremost, I think the, the view probably from regulators in particular is that uh, recovery planning kind of supports the financial resilience of the sector and the wider financial services ecosystem. So that's definitely a key driver. In relation to other sectors, I think, you know, bringing in the recovery plan requirements better aligns insurers with other firms that you've touched on, Kathy, like banks and investment firms um, where the, the framework is more mature. And then I, I guess I, I touched on that interaction and integration with the, the wider risk management 
financial framework. And, you know, I think the central bank and other regulators probably see this as something which will reinforce risk management frameworks across the sector. And that's obviously something that is a, a key macro benefit. And then I guess, look, everything here is probably born out of the financial crisis. The, the Banking Recovery and Resolution Directive was a kind of key consequence, I guess, following the financial crisis. So you can understand why regulators and supervisory authorities are looking at things like recovery planning as a key macro benefit for, for Europe, you know. And John, could you just outline for our listeners why the recent finalisation of the central bank requirements is so important for the insurance industry? And have these requirements been perhaps been a long time coming? Yeah, so um, in terms of why it's important, so obviously, you know, this is the first time that the central bank has issued requirements and guidance for insurance firms. So fundamentally, that is super important for the insurance industry. Very important to note and to give credit to the central bank that they've been quite proactive in this regard. They're ahead of some other European regulators. And uh, I think we'll see more movement from from bodies like EOPA and IAIS over, over time. But I would say the central bank has been quite proactive. So that's probably an important point to note. Fundamentally, Cathy, this is a, a material change in the regulatory landscape for insurers like some insurance firms may have developed recovery plans previously but this is kind of hard requirements and guidance that needs to be followed so so i think that's just important to note and then your your question around whether the requirements have been long a long time coming it's kind of an interesting one i'd say yes and no no from the perspective that you know this consultation paper was only issued uh the middle of last year and concluded in october so it's probably about six months from the end of the the consultation phase to the publication of requirements and guidance so in that regard, it's not really a long time coming. But as I kind of we've touched on already, Kathy, the, the framework for insurers is immature relative to banks and investment firms. So if you look at it through that lens, I guess, yeah, you could say this has been a long time coming. But obviously, there's just a, a more of a focus on, on the banks to begin with. But yeah, but as I said, Central Bank has been quite proactive. And in its feedback statement, the Central Bank notes that the proposed recovery framework is aligned with the International Association of Supervisors principles and best practice, as you mentioned earlier that central bank is almost a prime mover on this so therefore you know what what they have developed is intended to be consistent with any future eu wide framework how do these requirements align with other eu regulators yeah it was, it was an interesting part of the the feedback statement to be honest i would say overall the fundamentals are quite consistent with what we've seen in opinions and position papers etc from from the opa and other bodies and as i said i may have said at the beginning i think if you look further afield at the wider financial services sector you know the recovery plan framework kind of put forward by the central bank does align with what we're seeing for banks and investment firms. There are some kind of nuances, as you'd expect, given it is a, a different industry. But fundamentally, I think, you know, the alignment is there. I, can't, I kind of understand the feedback point, you know, that maybe EOPA or somebody else issues requirements or guidance in due course. And actually, you know, either the central bank needs to amend their guidelines and requirements or maybe uptick them slightly. But I think that's just a consequence that will have to be dealt with. But I, I guess from my perspective, you know, if and when an EOPA-wide kind of recovery planning framework is, is issued, I'd expect it to look very similar to what we've seen from the central banks. And could you take us through, John, what changes the central bank made following the consultation phase? Are there material changes? Could you give us an insight into why changes were made? Yeah, so probably fair to say there, there were a, a small number of changes, some notable ones, but overall, I don't think there is a massive movement really between consultation phase and final requirements. Two of the key ones maybe to note, and then I'll touch on a third. So one, and I know this was fairly common across industry, and you can see it through the feedback letters to the central bank, there was kind of questions around group financial support. So the central bank has removed the specific requirement for written confirmation from an entity's parent or related undertaking to provide financial support. 
support, but I think it is still something they look at very carefully in terms of recovery options, but that was definitely a key change. And you can see that in the feedback statement. The other one just to touch on is a runoff scenario. So that again, I think there is some feedback on that from industry. So the central bank has removed the requirement to include a runoff scenario, but I think the central bank has as an alternative, essentially brought in a requirement that when uh, an insurance firm looks at their suite of recovery options, that they need to look at things like closure of new business, for example. So on that basis, they're still kind of touching on that kind of runoff scenario a little bit. So again, that was a kind of a concrete change, I guess, from the consultation phase. And then there's a couple of other ones. I won't bore everybody with the details. I would say just to say that it's worth noting that there was industry feedback on the application of proportionality, including in relation to, to insurers like captive insurers. And I think Central Bank appears to have recognized that and stressed that the concept of proportionality is, is a live one. Yeah, I'm not sure any changes were actually made to the, the requirements and guidance on the back of it, but I think they do recognize that proportionality will be important going forward. And that is, of course, Kathy, quite hard to define, but I think the central bank has recognized it in the in the feedback letters. So moving on to recovery plans themselves, could you give our listeners a picture of what you think are the key elements to go, going into a recovery plan? Yeah, absolutely. And again, kind of consistent with what we see in, in other sectors, there's probably five or six key components and they're all meant to kind of talk to each other. And as I said at the outset, it is a recovery planning document and, and that's what needs to be submitted to the central bank in due course and to the board, of course. But, you know, it is wide in that there are kind of frameworks and processes that are important to recognize as well. But the key elements, the first one, unsurprisingly, um, as you'll see with things like ORSA and ICAP and ILAP in other sectors, the governance framework really is critical. And we, what we've seen from regulators is a, a real focus on escalation mechanisms in particular as part of that governance framework. So there are requirements and obligations on firms to escalate recovery plan indicators to the board and the central bank, etc. In, in certain circumstances. So getting your governance right at the outset is, is very, very important. The other elements just to touch on briefly, strategic analysis. And I think there was a bit of feedback on this through the through the industry feedback letters. But as part of the recovery plan, you are meant to do a strategic analysis of your business. And there's a particular focus on things like interconnectedness with group and wider uh, financial services markets and infrastructure. So that's definitely an important part as well. And then you kind of get into the, the real, the core components of recovery plan really. So recovery plan indicators framework. So as the name suggests, these are kind of indicators that will give you early warning that you're entering a, a stress period. And they also are indicators that potentially trigger the invocation of the recovery plan and the use of management uh, actions, for example. So that indicators framework built on top of that governance framework is very important. And then recovery options, as I just said, these are management actions which uh, a firm can take to arrest financial deterioration, hopefully. And, and they're definitely a, a very important component of the recovery plan. And the preparatory measures around those recovery options is also very important. So firms are expected to essentially plan forward and say, yes, if we enter a stress scenario, we can take these options and we've actually prepared certain processes or documentation or whatever to ensure we can execute those options effectively. So that's really important. And then final couple of points, recovery scenarios very important, again, kind of trying to identify vulnerabilities in the business, but also just to test your indicators framework and to test your recovery options as well. So the, you'll see a lot of focus, I think, from the regulator on those scenarios and how they're actually exercising the rest of the recovery plan framework. And then the last one I'll touch on, so there's a, there's a few other elements, but one kind of key one, and it's something which has become a, a bit more mature, I guess, in other sectors is overall recovery capacity. So that's really a very important concept. And it just shows, you know, if you do enter 
after a period of stress, what is your capacity to recover? So if you have a number of management actions, does taking one option preclude another one, for example, or in a stress scenario, can you not exercise one of the management actions? So building up that view of overall recovery capacity is very, very important. And then look, before I uh, talk everyone to bed, I suppose the last one just to point out on the recovery plan is, and again, we've seen this in other sectors, is kind of integration with the rest of the risk management framework. That is very important. So for insurance, obviously, ORSA, et cetera, is kind of a key one to consider, but that integration piece should kind of come through your documentation and your processes as well. So that's a, another key element for sure. Great, John. So summarize that. So it's it's your governance framework and things like escalation mechanisms, um, your indicators framework, your recovery actions, your recovery scenarios, recovery capacity, and then integration with the rest of your risk management framework, which actually segues quite nicely into what was going to be my next question. And I, I did note from the feedback statement on the consultation paper, John, that the central bank themselves noted that you know recovery plans complement, as, as you said, existing risk management frameworks and processes and kind of bolstering financial resilience, ultimately to benefit consumers and industry. So could you explain in a bit more detail for our listeners, how does a recovery plan fit into that wider risk management and governance framework. Yeah, and probably touched on a couple areas already, but I do think, you know, things like, so from a governance and escalation perspective, I guess, you know, you will see firms obviously having a governance framework in place. They may also have something like a a crisis management committee in place, for example. So those types of forums can be leveraged. You may decide you need something additional, but, you know, something like a crisis management committee or a management risk committee, et cetera, you know, that could be kind of leveraged to kind of fulfill the, the, the necessary responsibilities of recovery plan governance. In addition to that, risk appetite is probably the key one to point out as well. So from a risk indicators perspective, uh, or recovery plan indicators perspective, rather, like you will see a, a lot of integration in good practice, at least where with the risk appetite statement. So a lot of firms will take their risk appetite metrics and either tweak them or build on them or kind of include auxiliary metrics to support them. And that integration with the risk appetite is definitely a key one. And it's something that I guess gives firms a little bit of a head start if they've got a, a solid risk appetite framework in place, then hopefully that eases the pain a little bit when you're looking at your recovery plan indicators in particular. So I think from a governance escalation perspective, there should be very strong integration. And then I said the risk appetite piece as well is definitely something that's uh, very relevant. Yeah, John, I think whenever you know we're confronted with what looks like a new set of obligations or, or regulations, it is important to see what, what you have in place. As you said, you know, have you got a crisis committee, etc., and, and leverage what you have and do that gap analysis. You know, you, we're not always starting from a standing start. So I kind of an important message. What do you see as the key challenges arising from these requirements? Yeah, it's a good question. So there, there's probably a few, you know, probably can break them down into a couple of categories. So I guess fundamentally, look, there, there's regulatory challenges here. So obviously firms are going to need to ensure alignment with the requirements, uh, understand the guidelines. We touched on proportionality, you know, um, getting clarity maybe from supervision teams about the concept of proportionality applicable, etc. And then, you know, I guess just understanding supervisory expectations as well will be a regulatory challenge. You know, there's probably a learning process involved there on both sides. So that will probably 
probably take a little bit of time. From a technical perspective, we've touched on some of the key areas already. One of the ones maybe to call out that we maybe haven't touched on in, in massive detail is recovery options valuation. So technically that can be challenging. It's something we've definitely seen regulators across the world focus on in terms of valuation. So I think that will be a, a particular technical challenge for firms as well. And then lastly, Kathy, maybe just to, to touch on the practical challenges. So look, you've touched on gap analysis already, for example, like, you know, I think firms will probably need to do that gap analysis. They'll need to look at their documentation, governance frameworks. And then, you know, going back to an earlier point I raised around the practicality of the recovery plan itself, you know, will firms be able to make this something that is realistically incredibly something that can be broken in case of emergency, so to speak. So I think that practical challenge will also be something that firms will have to grapple with. Again, John, in the feedback to the consultation paper, the central bank noted that, and as you said, a number of respondents questioned whether the draft regulations are unduly influenced by recovery planning regulations applicable to the banking sector under the Banking Recovery and Resolution Directive. And but what lessons do you think insurers can take from those more mature recovery frameworks? Yeah, I think there's probably a few key ones to call out. And yeah, I, I saw the feedback statement around kind of undue influence. But, you know, as I said, the, the banking framework in particular is very mature. So no surprises that the, that the regulators are looking at that as kind of a, a benchmarking, essentially. In terms of lessons learned from more mature recovery frameworks, I've kind of touched on this again, but maybe just to, just to underline it. Getting your governance framework right at the outset, including escalation processes, is definitely critical. Valuation of options, which we just discussed, you know, as I said, is a, is a technical challenge but is very important, uh, including in the context of your overall recovery capacity. And also, you know, we touched on this as well. This isn't a compliance exercise. This, it's not just a documentation exercise. Like this is something which needs to be a, a living document and in, integrated and embedded into the organization. So I think, you know, uh, insurers should take those lessons from other sectors because that has been a key area of focus for regulators. And then the, the only other point to note, Kathy, is probably just, you know, this is just the beginning, I would say. You've touched on it at the beginning, but I, I think we'll see more European requirements. We'll probably see a development of, of the central bank requirements as well over time. And then you've got the kind of uh, the looming spectre a little bit, I guess, of, of a resolution planning framework, you know, which kind of goes hand in hand with the recovery planning piece. So I think we'll see a lot more coming down the tracks over the next few years. So um, I, said, I suppose just watch this space on that. John, what do you see as the key impacts on firms, for example, senior management and first and, and second line? What will their roles be in the recovery plan? Yeah, so uh, from a tree lines of this defense perspective, there's probably a, a few things involved here. So I guess, look, this is a, an ACOI podcast and a, a compliance audience first and foremost. So from a compliance perspective, Kathy, obviously, look, these are, are new requirements and guidelines and kind of detailed additions to a firm's compliance universe. So there's definitely that angle to it. In terms of developing the framework and developing the documentation, which needs to be submitted to the central bank and the board, that really is a cost, a cross-functional effort, I would say. So you'll see functions like risk, finance, actuarial teams, operations, etc., all feeding into the recovery plan development. And that's very important. And I think the central bank will want to see that that's quite a harmonious kind of experience and that functions are working together to get the right results. So that's definitely a key one to focus on. And then just more broadly, I guess, I think you might see some potential changes to governance structures arising across three lines of defense. Primarily, if you look at kind of uh, the roles and responsibilities of, of functions and heads of functions, etc., that's definitely something that will have to be considered. And Cathy, as you know, the senior executive accountability regime is coming down the tracks and you know in that context i think kind of any changes to governance are uh, super important for uh, firms to consider as well 
Yes. And of course, there will be those responsibilities and accountabilities will have to be dished out under this new regime. Fear is impacting almost on every aspect of the compliance functions activities and firms activities, actually. And that, that'll continue this year. John, what specifically should boards focus on? Yeah, just, there's probably a few things I, I would suggest the board needs to kind of focus on. So first of all, just understanding the new regulatory framework, you know, that's something that definitely needs to be understood. I think we'll, you'd expect to see risk and finance functions, maybe, you know, providing training to the board about what's coming down the tracks. And we've touched on governance changes, you know, the need for escalation processes, et cetera, as a, as a key part of recovery planning. So again, boards will really need to understand what changes, if any, have been made to governance frameworks, escalation procedures, et cetera. And that's very important that there are usually kind of requirements around the timelines for escalating to the board and the central bank and again that's something that the board will have to be on top of so very important to understand that and then just generally and as I said it is a learning process really but understanding the expectations of the central bank be that true you know just fundamentally you know getting on top of reading the requirements and guidelines understanding if there's messages from from speeches from central bank or from European regulators that's very important and as I said I think over time there will be lessons learned there will be feedback from the central bank and I suppose those expectations would become a bit clearer for, for boards in particular. John, what are the next steps for insurers? And if you could sketch out the timelines the central bank have put in place and what do insurers need to do, bearing in mind they'll have to factor in governance lead time, board review, second line review, that, that sort of thing. So what should insurers be doing in the short term? Yeah, no, it's an excellent question. So obviously the, the requirements were published in April, as you said at the outset, Cathy. So those requirements set out deadlines of, of 31st of March, 2022 for the preparation of a recovery plan or within 12 months of authorization. If it's, if it's a new firm, obviously that's going into operation. It sounds like the central bank's intention is that high and medium high impact insurers under the prison framework will be required to submit their recovery plans at least annually. So, you know, soon after that March 22 deadline, for example, whereas the medium low and low impact firms only as specifically requested by the central bank. So that's probably the key timeline. The regulations also establish review cycles for the recovery plans. So that's primarily driven by the PRISM impact ratings as well. But you're right, Cathy, I think, you know, maybe in April when these requirements were published, March 2022 sounded like, you know, 11 months away. But as you say, with, with the requirements on boards and the requirements on other governance forums as well, that, time, that, that deadline is going to come around pretty quickly. So I think at the moment, firms really need to hit the ground running, I guess, you know, I'm sure a lot of firms have already started thinking about what their recovery plan looks like, potentially forming working groups, etc. And if they haven't, you know, I think now is the time to start doing that for sure, because it is a complex process. It's an important document to get right. And I think the central bank has set out quite clearly, kind of, at least at the outset, what its uh, expectations are regarding recovery plans. So hitting the ground running is, is definitely very important. Yes, and then ultimately getting the board comfortable with whatever is an output of this and before it goes into, goes into the regulator. Finally, John, looking down the road, do you believe the EU regulation when it arrives will contain anything new or has the central bank successfully got ahead of the curve and as an extension, you know, the Irish insurance and reinsurance industry? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So uh, from my perspective, perspective you know I guess regulators do have the capacity to surprise it's fair to say but I do think you know we'll see OPA kind of taking their lead from from other sectoral frameworks like from the bank and investment firm side of things so you know I, I've no doubt that European guidelines or requirements when they're issued might amend the central bank requirements somewhat but as I said the fundamentals are very similar to what we're seeing in banks and investment firms so I don't think there'll be a massive deviation I think it will just it will build on what's there from the central bank potentially so I, I think that's that's my view of the world that 
least. But look, overall, I think, you know, it's it's interesting times ahead. I think that kind of the prospect of a, a harmonized recovery and resolution planning framework is on the horizon. So definitely watch this space for, for future developments. And any final takeaways for our listeners, John? Yeah, so uh, I suppose preparing early is definitely a key one. And look, the, dra- the draft requirements were, were out there from kind of early last year, conscious, you know, that the final ones only came out in April. But I guess, you know, some of these changes have been flagged ahead of time. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of firms had already mobilized. But, you know, as I said earlier, this is a complex process and, and document. So mobilizing in good time is definitely very important. And then just an, another key takeaway for me, and probably touch on it once or twice, but you know, the practical components of, of a recovery plan is something which will develop over time. Uh, I'm not sure all firms will get it right in the first instance, but regulators are really looking at this as something which can be used in a practical sense. As I said earlier, something which can be broken in case of emergency. So kind of getting on top of that practical element will definitely be something which is very important for firms to consider as we kind of progress through various iterations of the recovery plan. Well, a huge thank you to John for sharing the benefits of your insights and experience on on this really important topic. And thanks to you, our listeners, for listening to the Compliance Files podcast brought to you by the SCOI. I do hope that you find that podcast interesting and useful, as I certainly did. We would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And until the next episode, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.